Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hello and welcome. I'm Erin Cuthbert, footballer for Chelsea and the Scotland national team. And you're listening to the Blue Day podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, folks, this is the Blue Day podcast. And for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, Keith Lawrence. And on today's show, me and my guest, who I will be introducing in a minute, will be dissecting everything that is going on at Chelsea Football Club. And none of it is right. But let me introduce you to my guest this week. He's a former Chelsea defender who has got blue blood in his veins and he's a man who would certainly tell Moyes 2.0 where to go right now. It is none other than Steve Wicks. Steve, welcome back to the show. It's been a while since we've had a conversation, a dissection, so to speak, on Chelsea Football Club. But nice to have you back on board. And how have you been? Yeah, I've been well, Keith. You know, like every other Chelsea fan, very frustrated. Don't know what's going on with my football club, but at the end of the day, as I said to you before, we've had years and years of success. Um, we just got to get together and keep together and and make sure, you know, we don't destroy everything that we've accomplished. Do you think that could happen within one season? I mean, it could, but... <laughs> With the way things are going, could it be a case whereby we drop like a stone and just, I don't know, you know, listen, 87, 88 springs to mind. I know it sounds ridiculous, but the way things are going. You can see something happening. You can see something. I think what we've got to do is bite the bullet this season. And I think next season, um, I think we will come back stronger and I think we'll be a force. And we're certainly... The players we've got, when he sorts things out, we should be able to make that top four again next year. In what league? Premier League or Championship, Steve? Oh, no, Premier League. We're not, <laughs> we're not that bad. Well, the form begs to differ. Um, and if I go through some of the stats that I picked out, they, these are some of the best ones I've got. One home goal in f- four home matches. Yeah. Three wins in 16. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it's, it's even more bloody depressing as, as possible. And it's been sort of looked at in social media that Graham Potter, if we look at form and look at the win percentage, is one of the worst Chelsea managers of all time, to which quite a few people, and this 
led me on to you. Quite a few people actually mentioned, well, Danny Blanche Flower era and uh, oh, Sir George. Jeff Hurst's era was pretty worse. <laughs> um, but it's... I'll tell you what, Steve, let's, let's first talk about the game on Saturday. I didn't go because I had a prior engagement. I was... Um, seeing a particular comedian at the O2 on Saturday night. Obviously, we I watched the highlights on Match of the Day and people were talking to me after the game. You actually called me, Steve, on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and I had four calls after you wanted yeah. to talk about the Chelsea game, which I thought was kind of funny, yeah. um, and just wanted to get my reaction and talk it over. I watched the game not just on match of the day, but I watched like the extended highlights on a, on another feed and it's, it's embarrassing. Very, very embarrassing. I was surprised with the lineup, like pretty much everybody was surprised. I was surprised with the lineup. I felt, you know, was there injuries to Silva? Was there injuries to James? It's, it's turned out a little bit that Graham Potter, as I like to call him, Moyes 2.0, was advised by the medical staff not to play those players, not to start Mudrick, not to start Sterling, not to start Havertz because of potential injuries that could come up with their performances. So what's a man to do? Has he done his job effectively so far? You'd have to say no. At the start of his tenure, nine, ten games unbeaten, looked quite well. But you're always going to get a bounce back when a manager leaves mid-season. You, you know, the new guy that comes in is always going to be kind of positive because the players, it's fresh, it's new things. It's this is a new guy. Oh, let's play for him, no, and we did quite well. Against AC Milan, we qualified at the group stage of the Champions League with Graham Potter in charge. But since, I would say, the defeat to Brighton, and then we dropped two points against Man United at the death, <coughs> excuse me, it just... The whole club, not just Moyes 2.0, but the whole club has just fallen flat on their face. We're not used to it, are we? But um, can't just disintegrate as a club. We've got to stay together and we've got to try and get it right. And we've tried to, you know, motivate our players. It's no good booing from the first whistle to the the last whistle because that does no one any good. And this is a real test of a Chelsea fan as well. You know, it's almost like a marriage. You've got to deal with the downtimes. You've got to deal with it and you've got to be bold and keep back in the team. Um, and we must never forget that. But if you go out to a, you go out to a crowd at Stamford Bridge, and I've, I've played at Stamford Bridge and gone out to a very, very hostile atmosphere in terms of what, you know, a few of the fans were getting really frustrated. And what that does, it gets to the players. So we've got to stay as one and be together and, you know, come through this bad stage together. 
<sighs> I know it's easy to say. So one bad year, we shouldn't be that frustrated. Is there an issue, Steve, when you talk about the bad years and you talk about the booze, especially from, from your own whistle to, to last? Obviously, there was a lot of booze at full time at Southampton. And again, you probably weigh up, potentially rightfully so, because we shouldn't be losing to the bottom club. <clears throat> if you look at the league table, Southampton have done the double over us and they are bottom. They've only won five league games all season. Two of them is against us. Yeah. Leeds have won four games all season. One of them is against us. Yeah. <sighs> you know, that alone should tell you the state that we are in at the moment. I did feel that the, the squad on Saturday was imbalanced. And there was a video going out on um, Facebook and on social media, other social media channels, of the before the pre-match warm-up of Aspilicueta at the front, as always. And he's trying to rile the players up get them motivated and get them mentally ready for the game. Yeah. The video shows, Steve, nine, t nine out of ten of them, the video showed the majority of them, Steve, just walking up, looking like having a leisurely stroll, like this was a kickabout. There was no, yeah, there was no intent to sort of get on the pitch quick. There was no, didn't look any motivation, no inspiration from them whatsoever. <clears throat> You've seen it, Steve, on different with different managers, with different players. It's all about what you do in the warm-up, and it's all about the first 10, 15 minutes. If the players aren't geared up for it before the game, what chance have they got to get a result? You know, I just feel that, you know, a lot of those players have got to realise that, you know, things aren't going well. And the only way that you get out of this is to work harder, train harder and play harder. Um, and without that, if you think you're going to go on a stroll and you're a superstar that you think, you you know, things are going to turn in, in, in a weekend, it ain't going to happen. And they need to understand that they're in the most competitive league in the world. And if they don't, if their attitudes aren't right and they're, they're not prepared to roll their sleeves up and have a go, yeah, we could be in trouble, but not relegation trouble. Just where we're fallen from grace and fallen from the heights that we've got to. Well, we're but only... Well, the only way out of this is hard work. Hard work. And um, and it's not coming through. It's not coming through that the players are working hard at it. Hard enough, put it that way. And it's not all a manager's problem. You know, the players have got to look at themselves. They've got to look yes. at themselves. Um, you know, when they're brushing their teeth and having a shave, they've got to look at themselves and say, am I giving 100%? And there's not many of those that can actually say that at the moment. 
I've paused because I'm trying to think of some positives to say out of that. Um, but having said that, Keith, you know, I can't remember how far we've gone back on our podcast. And we've said the most important position that we need a replacement is as a number nine. A number nine. I saw a photo of Peter Osgood today and I thought to myself, God, what would I do to have Peter Osgood as my number nine today? You know, he, I just think we've, we've, how many wide players do you need to sign? How many, you know, we've got more wingers than the RAF. You know, wide players, you know, I just think it's... And not many good ones either. No, and I keep saying, the most ridiculous signings have been made for the most ridiculous money. Most ridiculous money. And nine-year contracts and eight-year contracts. Say, Modric, after after a season, can't do it. Can't cope in the Premier League. We've still got him for eight years, mm. paying ridiculous wages. Everyone's having a go. I looked on social media. Everyone's having a go at Mason Mount. If I was Mason, oh, don't. If I was Mason Mount, and I got Player of the Year and played out how I played for Chelsea for two years, and some Ukrainian comes in playing the Ukrainian league for thirty-four games or, or whatever it is. And gets treble my money, I'd react just like Mason Mount. I'd be absolutely fuming and saying, hold it a minute, I want you to, to put my wages up to his wages or whatever, or what I deserve. And people are having a go at him, but I can understand <coughs> how Mason's feeling. I can understand. Um, and, you know, it's like someone if you, in a normal job. You're doing your job, you're doing it well. Someone comes in to do your job but gets paid twice the money. How are you going to feel? How are you going to Everyone's going to react and be upset about it. And this is where I think the Chelsea hierarchy have no idea how football works. No idea. It's very, very different to America. You can't look at the people that have been solid for you for two or three years and treat them like, and also bring these people in that haven't proved themselves in the Premier League and pay them three times the amount of money. You can't. You can't. And it's a, a recipe for disaster. I'm just going through some of the stats here. And when I look at the team that he played on Saturday... He played Mason Mount wide, which I still don't fathom why Mount is not a winger. And I get that there's a lot of issues with Mason at the moment. I get some of the people's frustrations with Mason because Mason he has had a piss poor season. But you show me a Chelsea player with his name not called Thiago, who has had a good season and... Because you've got to struggle to find them players. You know, the, the Mason's contract is slowly winding down. There's no talk of a new one. There are certain rumours going around that I've heard that 
Mason's the club, excuse me, are thinking of giving him a contract at the end of the season. But will Mount sign it? Oh, Christ, I mean, it depends what is happening. It depends on who's still there. And I think it depends on what money Chelsea are willing to give him. If I'm honest, I would give him the same as what we've probably given Reese James because Reese James has recently signed a new deal. Behind and pay Reese James what he's got. They've been together all the way through. Yeah. And there's a, a parity between their performances where they've been bloody good, the two of them. How can you leave Mason out and not pay him what you're paying Reese James? What does Mason feel in his mind? They don't want me. They don't think much of me. So who can blame him when he's going to, I don't know, sign for Liverpool next year and he's going to come back to Chelsea reject and he's going to get grief like I had, right? When you come back to Chelsea and you're going to get a bit of grief. But who can blame him? Seriously. He's played for England more times than Reese James. He's been bloody good for Chelsea and he's been a shining light in terms of everything. And the two of them, the two of them are, to me, are Belisha Beacons. Not some winger from Ukraine or some guy from Holland. These two boys are what Chelsea is all about. And Mason Mount and Rhys James epitomise Chelsea. And that's what I get upset with. Our identity as a football club, where you always brought your own boys through, there was a real sort of, you know, and we had this affinity with our young players. Actually, the best player that is, you know, and let's be fair about it, a very good professional in that time. All right, he's had a bad year this year, but he's been a great professional. He's done his job. You never hear anything that Mason's done wrong. He is a great professional. And those are the type of players you want in your club. And Chelsea have done nothing under this new regime to make him feel wanted. That's the problem. That's the problem. And until the chairman stops wanting to flash his checkbook for every Tom, Dick and Harry in Europe and look after them on a nine-year contract, on an eight-year contract, and you're leaving one of your homegrown players that have been a real Belisha beacon over the last three years. Forget this year, the last three years. If I was Mason Mount, I'd, excuse my French, because I don't often swear, I'd be a little bit pissed off. Would you be surprised if Mount left in the summer? No. No. Not at all. No. And I'll tell you, I think Mason Mount will go to Liverpool. He will be part of their, their rebuilding structure where they're going to build, bring in players and bring in younger players and rebuild their club. And it wouldn't surprise me if he, he went there or he'd go to Manchester City because Mason Mount is a bloody good footballer. And there's a lot more. And I actually think if he went with Pep or he went with Jurgen Klopp, I think he would maximise his potential and become a, a very, very good player. Under this, this, what has happened and how he's been treated, I don't think will ever heal at Chelsea. Mm. I don't, so I think if they splashed a load of money, I think this would hurt him an awful lot. And I don't think it will heal. I don't think he feels wanted. And I think that's the problem that we have at Chelsea at the moment, is, is 
you know, you everything is these new players that are coming in that have done absolutely nothing in the Premier League. Um, and they're all coming in and they're all making huge amounts of money and they've done nothing. And actually, it's proving with results, they're still doing nothing. Well, let me counteract that because I've... I've... I get your point. I do feel that there is a little bit of issue with what you said about all of the site in terms of the signings. I believe there is a player in Benoit Batishil, the centre-back. Yes, uh, on Saturday, he had a poor game. It was the first game he played without Thiago Silva. For me, there's... Christ, that's not a coincidence. He played with Kulabai. For me, there is a player there. I have no issue with the fact that we've spent $38 million because he's got potential. We could, again, have somebody that could be in terms of a Rudiger at that level. Jao Felix, I'm more annoyed with my club, the fact that we've agreed to spend £11 million on a loan fee but not spend eighty to £90 million to try and get him permanently. Atletico would love to have the money because it's Spain and there's not a lot of money in Spanish football unless you're Barcelona or Real Madrid. And I think Felix would have been a star player for us to get him on a permanent. Fafana, the striker, not um, the centre-back, I think there is a player there, but he ain't going to get a chance in terms of a consistent run in the side. He had a good chance against Fulham when I was there the other week. He should have scored, but didn't. He started against Southampton, but was taken off after 45 minutes. Mudrick is an interesting one. I like him. Can I ask you a question? I think... Yeah, go on, Steve. Why do you like him? Because I think he's, he's unique in terms of not a lot of people know much about him and there's got to be a player there in terms of his his age his potential I'm not saying he's going to be the next Robin I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Ronaldinho far from it but I think that there is a player there he's got pace I think that it's a sort of player whereby at Shakhtar, it was a case of give him the ball, let him do what he wants. He ain't gonna, do, he, he can't do that here. We've got the league for it, and we could have the players for it, but we haven't got a coach to give him that opportunity. For me, I'm not saying that every time he's played, he's done well because he hasn't. But there's something about him in terms of his ability. And in terms of what I think he can bring to the table, we've spent a hell of a lot of money and I would not have spent anywhere near 88 million euros on him. But I think I think he'll come good. When Hazard and Oscar first came in, not a lot of people thought that they would turn out to be star players. Fan-wise anyway, I know people within the club had high hopes for them and they were right. 
give him some time. When Lampard came to Chelsea, a lot of people oh. didn't think Keith, Keith. he would become the player. Lampard. Drogba. Lampard. When Drogba came in, people didn't think Drogba would become the player he was. I think give Mudrick at least another six months and then we'll see. It's very, very difficult to analyse and critique and criticise somebody. You know, he's only 22, 23. He's coming to a new league. And he's basically like Moyes 2.0. At the moment, he's out of his depth. The difference with Mudrick and Moyes 2.0 is Mudrick will definitely be there longer than our current manager. And we've got got a five-year contract. Well, so is Moyes 2.0. Let's not forget that. He, he, has, he has signed a five-year deal. He's on near enough 10 to 12 million pounds a season. Yeah. I just... I just... We sign Enzo Fernandez for 120. Yeah. And I know, you know people are expecting miracles from him. He has done okay. I wouldn't say he has, you know, ripped trees apart and you know, taken the whole world on. There is a player there. You can evidently see that. It's the amount of but, money. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not disputing that. I am not disputing that. You know, with all due respect, we're, we're looking at these, these major signings for £86 million, £125 million. And we're looking, there's a player there. What they should do is exude their class. And you look at it and say, what a player he is. When you're paying that sort of money, that's what you've got to look at and say, what a player. What a superb player he's going to be. What we're doing is we're saying, there's a player in there somewhere. There's a, oh, yeah, there's a player in there somewhere. Oh, Modric. But this is the model that we are in now, pounds. Steve. £86 million. Pounds. We've paid on a little dibby-dabby winger, as I see it, with no end product. And I'm looking at it thinking, what the hell is going on? Honestly, what the hell is going on? And I think what we're doing, we're looking at all these signings and trying to find something that's good about them. And when we spent the money we spent, you should look at them when they put that Chelsea shirt on and come out and you say, what a player he is. What a good player he is. We're not. We're saying there's a player in there somewhere. And that's what I find. Well, again, I'm I'm not I'm not Mudrick's number one fan. Far from it. I'm not starting a fan club. I'm not going to start his unofficial Facebook page. <clears throat> he came on against Liverpool and he looked lively, and everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, bloody hell!" The best spell of football he's played. Yes, I, I'll agree to that. Fulham. He came off after half time, and then Moyes 2.0 gave one of his many excuses to say. Oh, he had the flu. Well, why bloody start him in the first place? And then since then, against West Ham, away when I was there, he hardly got the ball because we've got a a left back who his confidence is shot to bits and he's not the player that he was once labelled to be. And we have had our pants pulled down hugely with that £62 million that we spent on him. Are you talking about Cinderella? In the summer. I'm talking about Cinderella. Mudrick hardly got the bloody ball. 
against West Ham and he struggled against West Ham because of the space and because of the fact that he never got the ball from his left-sided compatriot. Hold a minute. Hold a minute. So an £86 million player can't go and find the ball and do something. So an £86 million player is reliant... Totally he on was the marked out the game quite effectively by West Ham, which I'll give them credit for. Who but... was the left back that day? Who was the, le- the right back or left back that day? The left back for Chelsea? No, for West Ham. Oh, crap. Now you've got to, have them. Now you've got to make me go back now. Right, <laughs> hang on a bit. Um, I believe it might have been Soufal. Yeah, but what I'm saying, you're not talking a world-class player here, are you? So therefore, you've got an eighty-six. No, million... but again, looking at from a team perspective, they they marked him out the game. But it wasn't just him that was marked out the game. There's quite a few of the players that was marked out the game. I, do you know? What I think uh, Keith. I think we're making excuses. I think. I think. Oh, no, recruit... I I am not Moyes two point I'm not. I'm not no, coming up with sh- shite recruit... excuses. Our recruitment. I, I'm looking at these players, and I'm thinking. On a world, on a European level, I've not heard of half these players. I'm looking at them thinking, who the hell is that? <laughs> and we paid 38 million quid. Who the hell is that? 46 million quid. Who the hell is that? 86 million quid. And I'm telling you, Modric was signed because Arsenal wanted him. And they thought, cool, he's got to be a good player if Arsenal want him. And I'll tell you what, little dibby dabby player with no end product. But we don't know that yet because he hasn't played enough games. I'm Trust not. Me. No, I'm, I'm, I'm disputing this all day long. Right, okay, you dispute me, and I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll have a little bet with you privately on the outcome of this whole thing <laughs> because I'll tell you something now. What what is used so freely in football talk is. World class. He's world class. I'll agree to that. Yeah, no, I'll, right. I'll agree to that. I I was brought up in an era of Maradona, Zidane, Pele, Bobby Moore, what I call absolute world class players. And I'm telling you now, we had a winger at QPR called Wayne Faraday. Who was the? He qualified for the Olympics because he was the fastest thing on two legs, and he was a a, a good player. And his end product is better than Modric. And he was, but Wayne played for West Brom. I think he went from QPR to West Brom. But what I'm saying is, I look at these players and I can look at them and say. I can put them with players and I can say, actually, there's not a lot between him, but he'd cost 750 grand, but he cost 86 million quid. And that's where I look at the naivety of Chelsea Football Club, look at the naivety of the the owner and say, you have had your patents pulled down. Because they, a lot of these players aren't worth the money that we've paid. And I've always said to you over and over again on these podcasts that who's ever advising the owner of the club needs shooting. <laughs> needs shooting. Because I'll tell you what, 
I've seen a lot of good players, good players that, and I look at players and I think, yeah, they could be good players. Yeah, they could. But when I look at the prices we paid for them, I think, bloody hell, I hope they are good players. We've had our pants pulled down. We've had no plan. We've had no... Honestly, where we are at the moment is because we haven't got anyone that can score goals. You have always said it. I've always said it. We've got no focal point to our club, to our team. We've got no focal point. We are playing. Um, we are a shotgun, but we've got blanks in our barrels. And that's the truth. And how anyone at Chelsea football... Do you know what? I was looking at the Liverpool centre-forward that they bought. Nunes. And what I'd do to have Nunes at Chelsea... No, I wouldn't touch him. I think, oh, he, I think he's a liability, Keith, that boy. Keith, Keith, Keith. He's aggressive. He gets hold of the ball. He attacks. He, he... All right, he's not scoring at the moment. He's not scoring at the moment. But what he is, is he's an aggressive centre-forward. And what Chelsea need is an aggressive centre-forward to actually hammer a few defenders and make a bit of space for people and tell people that they're going to have a game and a half. Because at the moment, we've got cotton wool forwards. We've got cotton wool players, let alone yeah, forwards. we've got cotton wool forwards. <laughs> we need that aggressive, you know. But as I said, we don't you know, necessarily need that. I, I looked at a picture of Peter Osgood today. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, what I do to have Ozzy as our number nine at the moment? Because that was a centre-forward. And then I thought about it. I thought, you know what? There's a big similarity between him and Harry Kane in terms of how Ozzy brought people into play. Very similar. And, you know, Ozzy would go deep and all of a sudden he hit this ball or play someone in. And you say, oh, my God, how did he do that? We haven't got that. We haven't got that. And until we get that, you know, we're cutting meat with a blank, uh, with a blunt knife. That's what we're doing. Here's a question. Is the main issue here with Chelsea, because it's, it's, it can't be everything. There's got to be one or the other. Is the main issue with Chelsea, in your eyes, Steve, the coach? Or is it in terms of the, the club? Who's mostly to blame for where where we are at the moment? Because at the moment, we're up the creek without a paddle. Yeah. In my opinion, we are, or we have, shopped at Harrods to buy the best food ingredients we can possibly buy. And we've got somebody who's worked at McDonald's to cook them. No, no, no. What I think is we've shopped at uh what's the word? we've shot at a fraudulent company that sells <laughs> totally fraudulent and what we've done we've been stupid enough to buy a load of them and what i think is the manager you need an elite manager and i said to you my choice would have been pochettino to come into chelsea football club and Everyone at that football club respects him for what he's done. That's well, not from happened. what I've 
heard, and I think it has actually come out on social media today, but I did hear it uh, be- before the fact, Pochettino actually has turned the job down. There was initial talks. I don't. This I'm assuming it's after the Southampton game, but there was uh, initial talks, and he's turned the job down. Now, well, read to that what you will. We're going to talk about some managers that could. I'll be tell you why. There. I'll tell you why. He's Go going on. back. To, he's going back to Tottenham, and that's his club. Um, and we had the chance to employ him when at the start of all this, and he probably feels that, you know, all I'm saying to you, and I'll say to the, 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 you know, the, the listeners of our podcast, is if you go to Brighton, how many times when you watch Brighton on Match of the Day, did they say Brighton are playing all the football, all the football, they're in control, but they never created chances. And, they used to lose a game when they had dominant possession and they were probably the best side, but they used to use, lose game after game after game because they couldn't score the goals. And everyone said, you know, the problem with Brighton, they can't score goals. We are now into um, his tenure at Chelsea. And what are people saying? We can't score goals. Why is that? Is that the... Is it... a uh, a player's fault? Is it the boardroom's fault that they haven't bought a number nine to score goals? Or is it a coach's fault where he doesn't get the ball in the box early enough? That's what you've got to ask yourself. And you've got to say, right, there are reasons for this, but Brighton had the same problem. Dominated games with possession, never scored goals. And you've got, you've got to ask yourself, you know, is, is it but the mere fact that we haven't signed a centre forward to me is is you know if Graham Potter had a, a a player up front that scored twenty five goals a season it makes his job a lot easier. <laughs> I have to laugh because otherwise I'll end up crying with the way the situation is at the moment. Listen, I know that there's a lot of people out there that are Potter out. I'm one of them, but I'm not going to shout it on Twitter. I'm not going to raise the roof on Facebook and say that this guy needs to go. He's a cancer. He's this, he's that. At the end of the day, he has signed a five-year deal. Todd and his band of misfits are not going to sack him anytime soon, unless Chelsea do go down, which I don't even think the the Americans uh, are going to go. I, I, I don't even think the Americans are going to go, well, you know, he can still do a job. Um, have, have you explained to the Americans that there's relegation in this league? I bet they don't even know that. Wouldn't surprise me, Steve. Really wouldn't surprise me. The fact that we are 11 points from the bottom three, um, that that's quite concerning. But... You know, listen, we I, I, there's absolutely absolutely no way we are going to go down, but go down ever. Will we ever go down? No way. Well, I, well, last year I would say never ever, but this season I'm not so sure. No, no way. I'm not so sure. But if we can look on the positives, and there is a little bit of positives, 
Kante's back at training, and we have missed him pretty much for two years. He's close to actually signing a new deal, which I'm surprised about. I thought he might be one of the players to leave. Um, for me, he and Enzo Fernandez would be a very, very great partnership to have in that middle of midfield. And it does beg the question, if he, once he comes back and Enzo has a, a run in the side where he's with Kante, players like Ruben... Matteo Kovacic, even Gallagher to an extent. I mean, even you know, listen, we've got that lad from Juventus, Dennis Zakaria, who I think is a very good player. I would sign him permanently. He can't get in the bloody team. Um, there's a lot of people, and I know, Steve, you, you listen to Talk Sport. I try not to because they've got a lot of Muppets on that show, on that station. But they did make a good point to where... We've got all these players, and does Moyes 2.0 know his best side? You can clean, clearly, excuse me, clearly see he doesn't. He doesn't know his best side. And with games coming thick and fast, we've got Tottenham at their place Sunday. That used to be called three point lane to us, not anymore. Uh, Not anymore. We've then got Leeds the week after, and then we've got Dortmund. I hate to be the bearer of negativity. We aren't going to get anything out of them three. I cannot see it. Keith, we beat Leeds. We beat Leeds. We beat Leeds, and, you know, and I think we can beat Dortmund. But what I think we've got to do is we've got to change our style of play. We've got to look forward every time, not sideways, not backwards, forward. And let's get our players playing and get our players in. We can beat Dortmund. We can beat them. And we can beat Leeds. Um, the Tottenham game's going to be hard, but we always rise to the occasion when we play Tottenham. You know, I've got faith in Chelsea the, the, to a certain degree. And I, I, I certainly wouldn't worry about Leeds when you've got Patrick Bamford up front. You know, if if... if Honestly, with his comments in, in some of his after match chat, I wouldn't play him. And I think if you've got him up front, fine. We'll do it. We will win it. And we'll be okay. Um, and I think we could beat Dorman. Chelsea are not... Listen, we're not going through a good spell at the moment. But there are little, stage, little signs in the last couple of games where I can see... You know, the first 25 minutes at West Ham, I thought we were absolutely superb. Oh, God, absolutely. We played some terrific football. And if Havertz knew the offside rule, if the linesman's knew the offside rule, we would have been 3-0 up within 20 minutes. I thought we were absolutely superb. Yes. Now, if we take that and build that up to 45 minutes, 65 minutes, 75 minutes, we win more games than we lose. But the only sad thing is we haven't got that end product that's going to get us the goals we deserve. That's the, We need that, I keep saying I'm sick of but we need that 20, 25 goal a season player. And we haven't got it. We've got Havertz and everyone slaughters Havertz. I feel quite sorry for him because I don't think Havertz wants to play centre forward. But he's no. trying his best trying to do something. But he's a 10. He's a 10. 
And we haven't got the players around him like Man City when you play with no number nine that can play that that oh beautiful way they play where they score goals. Everyone scores goals. We haven't got that. We haven't got many goal scorers in our team. We haven't. We haven't. And that that was we haven't got goal scorers in our team. We need to get midfield players getting 10, 12 goals a season. We haven't got any of those. I know you have your thoughts on Aubameyang, and I've got my thoughts on uh, Pierre as well. There's a lot of people on TalkShite and on social media saying, he's a striker, Chelsea need a striker, he's a striker, he's got to play, he's got to do this, he's got to do this, he's got to do this, he needs to play. <clears throat> Let me tell you something, folks. For those of you that are listening to this who are an Aubameyang fan, don't get me wrong, and this isn't a dig at you, but Aubameyang isn't the answer. Because if he was the answer, what's the question? Aubameyang is not the one who's going to be leading the line, scoring 10, 15 goals for Chelsea between now and the end of the season. He ain't going to do it. He doesn't want to be there. One of his closest confidants in Tuchel left two days after he signed. He doesn't want to play for Potter. I don't even think he knows who Moyes 2.0 is. I genuinely, genuinely believe he, Aubameyang believes that our manager is a caretaker or a substitute PE teacher. No, no, Keith, 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 can I just say something to you? Be my guest. A a couple of things, right? And I'm trying to educate you here. And you can tell me. I think we have to have respect. Certainly for David Moyes. We have to have respect what, what, what he achieved at Everton and what he achieved um, with West Ham over the two, two seasons when he got them into Europe and they lost the European Cup final. A European Cup final. I think we've got to give them a little bit of respect. I think, you know, Graham Potter, I didn't think he was had the CV to become Chelsea manager. I think when you're when you become manager of Chelsea, you've got to be one of those elite managers, and that was my gripe about him. Hmm. I think what we've got to do is be a little bit you know, respectful to to <clears throat> to certain people, and I think you know David Moyes. You you can't be a manager for I don't know how many years. He must be what 15 years approaching, and not be have something that that should be respected. And I think that. Graham Potter, where he came from and where he got to at Brighton, you've got to respect and admire what he achieved. Um, but I just think he's taken that step too far. Or is he, and you've got to ask yourself this question because it's very important, did he take the job with the owners saying, <coughs> We provide the players, you coach them. This is what we've got to find out with Chelsea, because it wouldn't surprise me if he got that job and no one would turn, a, turn down the money he's been offered. Um, no one would turn that down. But has the owner of the club, who wants to be involved in everything, turned around to him and said, I'll get you the players. All I want you to do is coach them. So effectively, Graham Potter has got no say in the players he gets. Well, we've seen that with certain press conferences when they've 
mentioned certain players. And he's like, yeah, he's so, a good player. But he well, hasn't not said, oh, he's one of the players that I've wanted to bring in. You know, and I, and I look at it and I, I, I think, we, we, you know, there's a lot of people out for grand, um, Grand Potter's blood and, um, you know, with the moist thing. Well, a lot of, of it is farcical in terms of, uh, you know, getting Potter out and saying that this guy's an absolute terror and whatnot. My sort of issue with Potter, and hence why I say Moyes 2.0, is the fact that Moyes went from Everton to United, and I'm not disputing the fact that he should not have accepted the job, because Christ, it's Man United. But it's very, very similar. He's gone to the big club, and he has stuck with the same values, same principles as what he had in his previous club, and he's trying to teach elite players something that really is a downgrade on those players. Graham's gone in, a fish out of water, completely changed dynamic of Brighton to Chelsea. And again, and I can see why Mason hasn't performed. I can see why Aubameyang is down tools and put his pacifier back in they're looking at this guy thinking who on earth are you and how are you going to make me successful if you're not going to make me successful why should i listen now that's probably why abameyang is not in the team that's probably why hakim ziyech had a great world cup nowhere to be seen pulisic injured again you know that's 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 his forte but you look at the difference in what Graham has, any differences of what Graham has done. Has he improved players? No. Has, has, he, has he put the team together? Has he sort of moulded a side that can be tighter at the back, play through good little channels in midfield, have nice little influences in midfield and be a threat up top? No. But Keith, he hasn't got the he hasn't got the artillery to do that. The, the club haven't given him a number nine. And what I'm saying to you, you're saying that I I, I do the objective way, right? He's gone from Brighton to Chelsea, and he's got a lot of you know players who think they're better than what they are. Abamian being one of them. Who let's be fair about it. If I had a name for Abamian, I'd call him Cadbury because if he was made of chocolate, he'd eat himself. And I would say, as he gone in there and say, listen, I want you to work hard in training. I want you to prove to me you, you, you want to play for Chelsea. I want to see you every day of the week working your socks off. Has he said that to that man? And is that what has made Bernard say, I don't need that from that sort of man. He's done nothing. He's done nothing. He's not won anything. But, you know, I, I think we're looking and we're looking at Graham Potter and we're saying, you know, and I was amazed that he was made. He was made. Um... Hello, I'm still here, Steve. You know, so is it? We're surmising when we say that. Is it the big superstars that are causing the problem? Is Graham Potter going in there with treating Chelsea players like Brighton players and saying, you know what, you got to work for your place? I want to see hard-working training. I want to see every these boys. A lot of them are so 
think they're God's gift, that they they might not be giving it all in training. They might be a Bamiang would be under if I had to back Graham Potter's um, ethics with being a coach and a Bamiang's ethics of being a footballer, I think I'd back Potter in that. The way he behaves in that documentary. I, I and I said to you, the one thing I've been consistent about, I said to him, if a Bamiang was available, I wouldn't sign in for anything. I'd, I? I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. And honestly, the way he behaved in that, I thought, I wouldn't touch him. And I said that. And if I was a coach, coaching, and I had that diva as a player, I'd fall out of him very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. And I think Potter has. Because Potter has those values that has come from a club where everyone works their socks off to get in the first team. So you've got to look at it two ways. You've got to be open-minded and look at it two ways. And you've got to say to yourself, well, there's two ways to everything. Um, and I think Graham Potter, I think, has gone into a situation where he's never had it before. And he's got to work out what he's got to do. And I think, you know, it's going to be hard for him. And he's going to get grief because everyone will look at him and say he's the problem. But he might just might not be. Do you suspect he will be there at the start of next season? Um, unless someone becomes available that is mind-blowing, yes. Interesting. My final question because I know you said that your ba- oh, your battery's oh. running your, your your battery's running low. My my body battery's running on low. In terms of Chelsea, there's no way we're going to get Champions League football unless we win. I the wouldn't rule thing. that out. I wouldn't rule that out. Okay, so you would still say we've got a chance to get into the top four, or at yeah. least Champions League football. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think we've got to look at top six and we've got to say, right, we're going to go for that. And anything else that... I don't think Newcastle... I think Newcastle are the the vulnerable ones. You've got Tottenham that can't string two results together. So those two people, you're thinking, dearie me, yeah. And you're all we need. And I was so upset on Saturday because I thought that was the, the launch pad for our assault on that, that you know... Um, Top four, top six. Um, I think it's so important that we stay in Europe. Um, but listen, let's see what happens. It's going to be nothing is. If we were on a run now that we could go on and we start winning games and confidence builds, who knows? Who knows? Well, it but, all yeah. starts on Sunday. And yeah. do you think Chelsea will get something out of the game? Um, I think they can. And I think it's going to be one of those games where, you know, when you least expect it, it happens. Um, and I, I think Chelsea, everyone's saying, oh, lowest of the low, all of a sudden Chelsea can go rock up and win 2-0. Um, and everyone goes, oh, God, that's good. And it might be the launch pad. Maybe Graham Potter needs that little launch pad to get us going. 
But you know something about Graham Potter? Everyone was criticising his demeanour. He doesn't get animated enough. He doesn't show his passion. You know what? I quite like that. I like a manager in control. No, well, I have no issue with that either, actually. I think that was... I have no. And I think I like the way he is. When he, when he talks, I think he talks what he considers the truth. I don't think there's any side to him. Um, and you know what? There's a lot of me that wants him to succeed and get over that hump that, yeah, it, there's a lot of it. There's a lot about him that I like. And um, if he turned this round, and he got success and qualified for the, I don't know, Champions League or whatever, <clears throat> I would, I'd be delighted for him because there's something about him I like. Maybe it's because he's English. You know, maybe it's because he's um, quite honest. He doesn't get, he doesn't talk the shit that some of the other managers talk. There's something about him I like. Well, for the job that remains to be seen. Yes. No, I agree. It's Listen, at the moment, the, with the club, with the manager, it's all gone to pot. And I'd say this show's actually gone to pot for today. But we will be back very, very soon with another episode. So don't you worry about that. We will be back to review the Tottenham game, hopefully, will also be potentially going to review the Leeds and Dortmund game. And hopefully, if Steve's prediction's correct, we can overcome the, the, the might that is the Borussia Dortmund with the same manager in place. I've, I can't see him uh, being, being changed anytime soon. But we hope that you have enjoyed this show today. We hope that you come back to very very soon we are on twitter find us at the blue day pod we are on instagram at the blue day podcast find us on facebook at facebook.com slash the blue day podcast like and subscribe us on apple podcast as well leave a five-star review if you've liked the show my thanks to steve wicks again for this week's dissection on chelsea football club and we hope you stay safe folks and carefree Sports Social Podcast Network.